Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Country Heat Weekly ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. So Germany was a little rough for me because I'm very sarcastic. I would say, like, something, something, but I'm an idiot. And then after the show, they'd be like, you are not idiot. <laughs> I'd be like, I was joking. I was joking. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Country Heat Weekly, the destination for country music fans. I'm Amber Anderson. And I'm Kelly Sutton. And we have a special treat lined up for you today. That's right. Ingrid Andress is here. It's her second visit to the podcast. She was here promoting her second album, Good Person, just over a year ago. That conversation was a lot about things from the artist perspective. So just as a reminder, Ingrid actually showed up on the country music scene back in 2019 with the very sweet song, More Hearts Than Mine. Oh, it's so good. She was a triple Grammy nominee the next year, including a nod in the all-genre category for Best New Artist. She has also written songs for a lot of non-country acts, as well as writing all of the tracks on Good Person. And today's conversation will focus on her songwriting. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Here at Amazon Music, we've actually gotten our hands on the demo versions of two songs from Ingrid. So if you don't know what that means, don't worry. Hold tight. We're going to have her explain what a demo version is and how it's used when she comes in. First, though, we need to talk about your casual hangs on Sunday afternoon. (laughs) It was pretty fun, (laughs) I gotta tell you. It was the Country Music Hall of Fame induction ceremony, and this year was happening outside. They did a red carpet event. They shut down the street right in front of the Country Music Hall of Fame and Museum, and I got to host the red carpet. It was of course cool. you did. It was cool. Of course you did. Okay, so this year's class was Tanya Tucker, mm-hmm. Patty Loveless, and songwriter Bob McDill. Now, listeners probably remember that Tanya did an episode of our podcast earlier this year, and she was very concerned about her plaque. You see those bronzes? Yeah. But I don't think they're very good. <laughs> So the but induction. So she, you know, they call me on it. Yeah. They wanted a picture. Which era of your career? Yeah. Do oh, you want to, that's a great question. Yeah. yeah. I know. I went, oh, mm. I said, you ain't getting a picture. So you tell me if I can get my own artist for them bronzes, you know, <laughs> I'll give you a picture then. But she called me, and so I think I got a, got in. I can look over his shoulder. Oh, you know, good. And go, uh uh-uh, uh, that, that make that look. <laughs> So I know she was wrestling with which era of her career to memorialize on the plaque. So what did she go with? It was 90s, Tanya. Okay. The hat, sassy, quintessential Tanya Tucker. Excellent choice. I'm sure she's happy with that. She really was. (laughs) I think everybody holds their breath. They bring out the bronze plaque and they put it on the stage and it's covered. And then they do the unveiling in front of everyone. And I think everyone holds their breath to be like, "Uh, is this going to really look like that person? And hers looks great. Okay, good. Good. It was pretty good. So the way that it works, the honorees get to request who inducts them into the Hall of Fame. But there are also performances of some of their songs. And the people performing, that's usually a surprise, which is pretty cool. Mm. Plus, all of the living Hall of Famers are also invited. So it really is like a great big family reunion. Okay. I know that you want to. So drop all the names. Okay. 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 (laughs) I thought you'd never ask. Sitting in front of me, Randy Travis, mm-hmm. who looks great. The Oak Ridge Boys, Chris Christopherson, 
which nobody knew he was there, and he walked in and surprised all of us. He looked really good. Good. Ricky Skaggs was there. Ray Stevens was there. And that's in addition to all the people who were also performing on behalf of the honorees. Well, I saw that Vince Gill inducted Patty, which is perfect, <laughs> since he sang on her very first album, which is so cool. Yeah. Do you remember what he told us back at CMA Fest? Patty Loveless, and one of the first fanfares I ever went to, she was in the line to get my autograph. And she didn't have a record deal, hadn't made a record or anything. And she just said, I love your singing, always have. And she says, someday we'll sing together. And I said, yeah, sure we will. It was such a full circle moment. Now, before inducting her, he performed Lonely Too Long. Oh, incredible. Mm. Like standing ovation. I'm sure. We also got performances from Bob Seger and Wait, Sisters. Wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> you say Bob Seger. Right. Real <laughs> casual. <laughs> I mean, listen, everyone was surprised, but no one was more surprised than Patty Loveless. <laughs> sure. Apparently, Bob is a huge Patty Loveless fan. It, it just, with Bob here, Seeger, Bob, I, I just, that was a real shock for me. I would never have expected that. I was trying to think, who could it be? Oh my gosh, I love how surprised she was. She was how special is that? So sorry to interrupt, but I thought I had heard you wrong when you said Bob Seeger. Uh, I thought I heard the announcer <laughs> wrong when they said Bob Seeger. Winona, Brandy Carlisle, Connie Smith, and Brenda Lee all helped induct Tanya. And then songwriter Bob McDill was celebrated with a bunch of other songwriters, including Dean Dillon, Jamie Johnson, and Don Schlitz. What a great night. It really was. It sounded awesome. I mean, that's pretty hard news to top, but there are a few other headlines we need to weigh in on. That's right. And we'll do that next when we find out what's cooking in country music. Life is full of personal wins, whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list. Winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Continuing on with the news of Hall of Famers, the Judd's tribute album actually comes out Friday. I am really excited for this. It's literally called A Tribute to the Judds mm -hmm. and includes reimagined versions of the biggest hits from a wide variety of stars from both country and bluegrass. Lainey Wilson and Dolly doing Mama He's Crazy. 
<laughs> I may have to stay up until midnight just to hear that. <laughs> For real. Cody Johnson, Megan Maroney, Trisha Yearwood. And then you've got Reba, Carly Pierce, and Jennifer Nettles doing Girls' Night Out. It's going to be so good. Absolutely. All of those great Judd songs will live forever on Rediscover the Judd's playlist on Amazon Music. Or you can actually stream the whole project starting tonight at 11 p.m. Nashville time if you're going to stay up late with me. Someone bring Kelly more coffee. She's going to need it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I need another cover right now. Okay, for the second time this month, the Opry inducted a brand new member. Congratulations to John Party for making it official. And you got to host his big night. So for those of you who don't know, Kelly is the first and only female staff announcer behind the Opry podium. Yeah. So proud. It's like the career <laughs> highlight of my life. It was a really long night. I will tell you that there were actually two Opry shows on that Tuesday night. And of course, there's a party for John as well. But the night started earlier than my usual shift because there was a press conference before the induction was taking place. So take a listen to some of the highlights. My grandma, Grandma Loretta, who got me into country music, would always tell me about the Grand Ole Opry. Good old TNN, you'd always see it on there. I mean, right? That's, that's me watching TNN and then CMT and you would still see it. You know, Ashley McBride was the first one to really reach out. I saw Travis Tritt had uh, the Kentucky Durban. He was like, well, do the family, brother, you know? And I was like, oh, yeah, right. I forgot about that, <laughs> you know? And um, Dirks, of course. Tonight, I feel like I'll be one of those marks in that floor. There's a lot of marks on that floor. When it came time to take the stage, John was battling some pretty bad allergies. So he leaned on the crowd to help him sing, which they did gladly. And then I brought out the surprise guest to make it official. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a member of the Country Music Hall of Fame and a member of the Grand Ole Opry family since 1990, Mr. Garth Brooks. I'll tell you what, brother. Be careful what you wish for right here. Because your life is about to go into warp speed now, man. John Party, this next song is going to sound very different for you because you are the newest member of the Grand Ole Thank you, guys. Congratulations to John. So excited for him. Okay, we are just over two weeks away from the CMA Awards. And as we're recording this, we still don't know anything about performers for country music's biggest night. I mean, this seems really late. Usually they're trickling out performers for weeks ahead of time. Now, we can tell you Luke Bryan is ready to team up with his friend Peyton Manning, Again, when I talked to him recently, he gave last year's performance pretty high marks. I thought we did a great job together. He knows his brand. I know my brand. You know, when we when we wrapped after the show, all the producers and Sarah Trahern, everybody was raving. And obviously the ratings were great and the show was great. And I knew we did a good job when they were trying to lock me and Peyton down that night for, for the following year. So we, we, it was a great night. And we were excited about it. Not only will Luke and Peyton be back, but you and I will be back on Media Road talking to all of the performers and nominees mm -hmm. and bringing you back all of the scoop for future episodes of the pod. And speaking of scoop, they're telling us Ingrid Andrus is here. So let's take a quick break, get her settled in, and we can get all the scoop on these exclusive song versions that we've got out on Amazon Music. So hang tight. We'll be right back.
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Ingrid Andress is back with us, and she brought gifts to us in song form. Welcome back to Country Heat Weekly. Thank you for having me, as always. It's good to see you. We love having you here. I love being here. <laughs> it's it's so chill. So I love fun. it. Well, it's been a little bit more than a year since you were here last. It was last September when Good Person came out. Yes. But since then, you've released a deluxe version of the album. It had a big hit with Wishful Drinking, which we yes. love. And <laughs> as we were talking before we were rolling, you've toured all over the place, all over the world, including like more than a dozen shows in Europe. Yes. How we did that? like a full, it was probably my favorite tour that I've done so far because it was just. I mean, I'm such a experienced person, so I love different cultures and learning about different ways of life. And so it was really cool to be able to travel to all those different countries and have the music still resonate over there as much as it does here. And so it just was a very—it was a really heartfelt experience for me. It was it was awesome. So you did shows in Paris, Berlin, Copenhagen, a bunch of places where English is not necessarily the first native language. It is not. How did that go over? Um, some countries are better than others about making you feel bad for only speaking English and yeah. it it was actually very humbling the fact that they have so many different languages that they speak and I feel I felt a little ignorant at times but I pulled up Google Translate and I did my best and I think they really appreciate you trying. What would you say was the most surprising thing about taking your music overseas? Everyone was so quiet during the shows because they really love the stories and songs and they're very respectful. So you know, we have Country festivals here, and people are just loud and drunk and just like, play Wagon Wheel. And over there, they're like really happy that you took the time to come over to sing for them. And they just love singing with you. And then after the song's over, they clap, and then they just like stare at you and wait for the next one. Oh, It's like, it's really, it's jarring. And some artists are like, they don't really know what to do. But I love that because it feels like you're playing in your living room and people are just happy to hear your stories and they're very respectful and it was that was a that was a really beautiful takeaway from being over there I mean there were some awkward moments um mostly in Germany because I'm very sarcastic and sarcasm does not it's (laughs) just there is no sarcasm in the German culture it's very like to the point Mm -hmm. and so I would say like something something but I'm an idiot and then after the show they'd be like you are not idiot <laughs> and I'd be like I was joking I was joking <laughs> oh no 
So Germany was a little rough for me because I'm very sarcastic in between songs. Um, but everywhere else was like actually really, a, really receptive. And even if people didn't speak English, they still knew the words. Um, so even if they didn't get my banter in between, it, they still sang along. And it's also funny hearing people sing your lyrics back to you whenever I'd be like, sing it with me. And then their accent would come through, oh. like, breaking more hearts than mine. Uh, and it was so cute. But, like, I couldn't yeah. laugh, you know, because I was like, wait, that's the sweetest thing ever. But it's yeah. also, like, I never hear it sung that way. And it's just, like, it was Ugh. very cute. Oh, I love it. Well, we have exclusive demo versions of two of your songs on Amazon Music, Yearbook, and Feel Like This. Yes. So first off, for our audiences, explain what a demo is exactly. Okay, yes. A demo is, so this, when you hear a song that comes out, it's been produced, it's been mixed, you add instruments to it, like it, it's it's not how it started. So a demo is like when you write the song that day, you want some kind of recording of what you wrote so you don't forget it. Um, and so it's very stripped down and very basic, like the most basic version of the song. Demos to me are really special because at least for my demos, they really capture the emotion of that day. And a lot of the times, so it's the demo vocal that I recorded that day is the one that is on the album. So, which most of the time that does not happen because artists like need to re-record things because yeah. they didn't sing it. But I tend to sing the best the day that we wrote the song because you're feeling the emotion of it in that moment. So the vocals are actually what's on the final. And the only thing that's different is the instrumentation because I didn't know what I wanted the production to be yet for those songs. Yeah. Both of these songs show like a gritty realness mm -hmm. of love or what someone might think is love. Not everybody gets their happy ever after. Is it easier or harder to write about that side of love versus the happy ever after ending? Oh, I think writing about love is is easy and difficult because it's hard to capture how amazing it is. But it's also really easy to capture how terrible it is. So it's like, I think the heartbreak songs are easier to write because um, I think it's easier to be sad about something than it is to be happy about something and grateful for that. The only way you can really write about either is if you've actually experienced it. Does it scare you to be that open? Always, <laughs> yes. Especially in today's climate. Like, it's scary to be honest about anything, really, that you feel. I think they're, everyone's so quick to judge each other and give them or give you their opinion on what you should be thinking. And so I think anytime you're vulnerable, it's, it's terrifying, but you should be able to speak your truth and hope that you're not the only one experiencing that. I think you do that very well, by Thank the way. You. Let's break down the two songs individually, starting with yearbook. So take us back to that <laughs> she sips her tea. <laughs> well, we're going to spill the tea. So go ahead and take a big drink, girl. I'll take gonna a be big spilled. drink. Yes. <laughs> take us back to the day that that song was written. It was me, Shane McNally, Derek Sutherland, Pete Good. That's we a good crew. All, that's a solid <laughs> crew. Yes. Um, it was a beautiful, crisp fall day. And I basically 
I'd been thinking about marriage a lot, and especially I'm from Colorado, and so when I moved to Nashville, um, being Western and Southern are very different, and I had never really thought about, like, divorce or marriage or whatever, but a lot of my friends and relationships that I've observed since being in Nashville and the Southern culture have been, there's, like, this really bad stigma around divorce. I still don't really understand it, and so I felt like I needed to write something about, like, why people stay together even if they're unhappy. You see it all the time, and people don't get divorced, and you're just like, I wonder why that is. Like, I wonder why people stay together. It really was just questioning all of that. Really, it's not just the South that has that stigma on divorce. It's a lot of different cultures, and so... I feel like we're all changing in how we view relationships and marriage. And so it was just my crack at, like, trying to understand it. What do you want fans to be listening for in the demo for your book? Is there something special about the demo? Well, it was written on just a guitar that day. So we added, like, a few other things, but there's something really—it was a very Nashville song— to where a lot of the times nowadays people are like, oh, let's track synth or let's track all these other instruments. And the fact that we just really focused on it being a guitar-driven song was really beautiful because that's just how it was written in the room. So a lot of artists actually have gotten their start here in this town as demo singers. So we've got Garth Brooks, Trisha Yearwood, Joe Diffie, Sarah Evans. Have you ever sang on a demo for a song that you didn't write? Yeah. <laughs> yes. So we Actually, add you to this list. Oh, my gosh. Well, I don't think you got me my start. Um, funny story, I didn't even know what that was. I was just like, what, what am I being asked to do? And they're like, oh, just come sing these songs that I wrote. During my first demo session... I was singing, but then I'd mess something up, and then I'd, like, curse. And in my first demo session ever, I had the guy running the session told me that that wasn't very ladylike. <gasps> that was the first time in Nashville that somebody had told me that. Isn't that wild? And then That's since crazy. then, it would come up further, but my first demo session ever, I was, like, not wearing a bra, I was cursing, and then he was just like, that's not very ladylike. And I was like, what is that? What? How full circle is I that? I know. Isn't that oh. You're like, well, thank you, sir. I was like, I'm just trying to get this vocal, sir, <laughs> for <laughs> your stupid song. Pretty wild. Inspiration from everywhere. Yes. Yeah. That guy probably didn't even, he has he no, no idea. idea. He has no now idea. he knows if he's now listening. He knows. Now yep, he knows. You know who you are. <laughs> well, you have written songs for other artists, including B.B. Rexa and Charlie XCX and uh, so many. Did you perform those demos when you would write a song and send it over? Is it your voice that's on there? It is. Yeah. Most of the songs that I that have been cut by other people, my vocal is on it. What's interesting is that sometimes if the vocalist isn't good on the demo, like people don't want they like don't want to cut the song. But if it is good, they're like, oh, I want to top that. Oh, I was going to ask about this. OK, yeah. Specifically, because sometimes when the vocalist is so good, mm -hmm. does it deter from the demo of like, I can't sing it like that? Maybe. I feel like most artists are, like, enough of a narcissist to think that they can— <laughs> can outdo it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I don't—I've never met an artist who's like, oh, I can't do that song because there's no way. Unless it's sung by, like, Jasmine Sullivan. <laughs> then it's like, you literally can't <laughs> right. top that. Yeah. So just or Stapleton. Stapleton was a demo singer for a while. I'm like, who did that? Yeah, <laughs> like, but also, like, 
his story to me is so fascinating. I'm like, who heard him sing and was just like, oh yeah, this this would be a great song for for Tim McGraw. And it's <laughs> right. like, hello. Have you, like, did you this? hear this? Like, he's right. incredible. Like, yeah. why did it take so long? I don't understand. So did you, like, when you were doing these demos, did you know that they were going to people like B.B. Rexa? Did you change your performance style at all? It was just you, and then it, it got pitched, and they ended up liking it. Yeah. It, okay. Normally, you just don't know, like, which artist somebody has ties with, or unless they're there in the room that day, you're just kind of like, this could be for four artists. They all kind of sound the same and do the similar thing, and it could be for any of them. Yeah. So I do kind of change my voice a little bit if it's like a pop song, but other than that, not, yeah. not much. When you hear the finished product by another artist, is it a surprise? Are you like, oh, that's interesting what they did to it? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Yep. You just never, I mean, but you want never them know. to make it theirs. Sure. And, but, you know, every artist has their own instincts for what they would want. And so I, part of that is why I figured out that I was an artist because I had so many opinions mm -hmm. about the yeah. finishing, the final product. I was like, hmm, that's, that's a, that's a take. That's <laughs> a choice. Bad. It's not what I would have done. But, like, that's sort of what started making me realize that, like, yeah. maybe I was an artist because I had too many opinions. I think that would be the hardest part about being a songwriter is to watch someone else do something that you don't necessarily agree with. And it's your art. Right. It's like painting something. And somebody's like, you know what would be really cute is if we put a little dog right over here in the corner. <laughs> right. And you're like, no, you're like um, where did that come from? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, every writer is different, though, because I think some writers are just happy to have songs sure. out with somebody. And then you have us writers who are just like, you better be careful. Be good to that one. Be good yeah. to this one. That's a good one. Well, the other demo version coming out tomorrow is Feel Like This, which is one of my favorite songs. Yes. Gosh, I love this song so much. I'm actually afraid to ask if this was based on real life experience with a gaslighter. But <laughs> what was the inspiration for this one? Uh, it was from dating a gaslighter okay. and falling in love with somebody who was healthy. That was the first day I'd ever written with Julia Michaels. And she was going through a similar situation. And I, we 100%, we've, we talked about this. We thought, because we were both like the queens of sad songs. Like, it's very hard for us to be happy. Um, but she was also falling in love at that time, too, with somebody who was healthier. So we both had a shared experience of that. And... It was probably the easiest song to write on the whole album because it just came so naturally to both of us. And every line that we threw out, like, made it into the song. So it was—we spent more time trying to figure out what each section was going to sound like than we did on the actual, like, lyrics. It was amazing, especially for the first time writing with— I, I've always looked up to Julia. Like, she's a pop songwriting icon. And yeah. Her own music is incredible. And so the fact that it went well, I was like, whew, thank God. Yeah. The song feels so good anyway. Like, it's just one of those, especially live, so good. Thank live. you. Uh, did I say I love the song? Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think you need to clarify a little more if you like the song. I love it so much. So Julia is also an artist. So how did you decide who got to sing the demo? Oh. In the demo, as you'll hear, there's still background vocals. And so we did a lot of those together um, because I love her voice and I wanted her on it. But she was very adamant about me singing it because she was like, this is your song. 
um, because she had just finished writing her album and I was trying to write mine. And so even though it was a shared experience, um, it was very much, she was like, those melodies are more you. This is your baby. So how is it different from the studio version that we have on Good Person? The studio version is a, has a lot more layers. What I love about the demo is it captures the energy from that day, mm-hmm. but it's not like over the top the way the studio one is. And live, we go way over the top, which is awesome. It's awesome. But like the demo version is the most chill version of it, but it still somehow has that energy of that, that day which I think is so cool that it can still have that without having all the bells and whistles. So are you working on new music now? I am. Uh-huh. Tell us yes. more. Tell us more. <laughs> yes, I am. I um, I am ready to be off the road for a, a minute okay. um, to write. I miss writing. I feel like a lot has happened in my life since the last album, good and bad and bad. And I feel like I haven't really been able to process it yet. And so writing helps me come to terms with things. And I really need to take time to do that because I've just been nonstop, you know, the past two and a half years. And it's time to like go away for a minute, you know? That's important to make that call for yourself too. Just being like, I need a minute. Speaking of touring, Kelly, please get ready to catch this name. I'm about to drop. You've been opening shows for Stevie Nicks. Right? Oh, oh my gosh. Isn't that wild? Uh, what is your life? <laughs> it's the best. She is like... Tell us all about her. She, <laughs> yes, all we want to know. All. She is... She sounds so amazing. And, like, considering how long she's been around and for how long she's been doing this it's truly phenomenal how she can still put on a freaking amazing show and her audience is so perfect for me especially because they are such music lyric storytelling people that it's just me on the grand piano like I it's not I don't have a band I'm just up there playing and telling stories and the the age range of her audience is insane. Yeah. Like, yeah. it just shows you how she has reached so many like, generations and mm-hmm. will go down down as an icon forever. Like, it's pretty incredible. So have you guys written together? We haven't written together, but that's kind of the goal for me in my <laughs> mind. Um, she is still very COVID conscious, but she has written me notes and I've framed them. She is truly an artist, and I a lot of her music, I think, is going to influence the next album that I write. We've got three more shows. So. Yes. Those are like, yeah, that's it. Like, when I say <laughs> I'm taking a break, I'm like, not, I will always come back out of hiding <laughs> Stevie. for Stevie Nicks. Yes. But that's it. <laughs> Otherwise, like, no, no one's going to see me for a while. Well, we're going to see you next week in Knoxville because you're yes! going to be opening for Kelsey Ballerini's Ooh! hometown show at Thompson Bowling Arena. We're starting off our burning questions with that. Okay. What is your favorite Kelsey song? Recently, from her rolling up the welcome mat, which there's so much tea in there. <laughs> so good. I love Penthouse, but I think writing-wise, what first really kind of showed me who she was because she started so young and I feel like she was still trying to figure stuff out. But I thought Peter Pan was really well written and that kind of showed me. I was like, oh, okay, this girl has chops. But um, I was really impressed with 
every song on Rolling Up the Welcome Mat. Yeah, she went for it. Give us the title of a song we haven't heard yet that you cannot wait to put out into the world. Once a year. Give us the title of a song you wrote that we'll never hear. <laughs> Flower Shop. Okay. <laughs> that was quick. Okay. It haunts me. And the only reason I, that's the first one, is because I played it for my cousin and my aunt like years ago, and they're obsessed with it. So every time I see them for Thanksgiving and they're Christmas, like, they're like, when are you going to put out Flower Shop? And I'm like, never. <laughs> It's never. <laughs> Only you guys are going to hear that song. It's exclusive Ever. for your ears. Literally. <laughs> I wrote this just, just for you. Just for you. That's so great. Yeah, that is so they, great. Yeah, I'm, it's going to happen again this year in a couple weeks. They're going to be like, where's Flower Shop? And be like, it's still not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite Halloween candy? Like, I'm a huge gummy girl. Anything mm-hmm. like gummy bears, gummy worms. Okay. Sour or regular? Any. Any. Any type. What's the last thing you bought on Amazon? Scrunchies. I lose them. It's like every month I'm buying scrunchies. They're I back. don't know where they go. <laughs> go stream the demo versions of your book and feel like this. You can only hear them on Amazon Music. We love you, Ingrid. Love so you, good to ladies. see you. Yes, thank you for having me. Gosh, I love that conversation. Me too. We always love showcasing songwriters and their craft, but that was a deep dive. So thank you so much to Ingrid for sharing all of that with us. I think we did it. I think we made it through Country Music Month in one piece, Amber. Yes, we did. (laughs) Yes, we did. It's been such a fun month, packed full of episodes and extra Twitch live streams, but I'm ready for a nap, as I always am ready for a nap. (laughs) Same. You know what? We are going to take next week off just to recoup and recover and get ready for the CMA Awards, which are coming up so very quickly. We're going to bring you a special encore of one of our past episodes. So make sure that you're following Country Heat Weekly wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Instagram to keep up with our adventures during the week. I'm Hey, it's Amber A. I'm B. Kelly Sutton. Happy Halloween. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Country Heat Weekly ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at listenerstudy.com. Hey, listeners, it's Will Arnett. Our podcast, Smartless, has crossed a milestone that seemed unfathomable when we started nearly four years ago as we've just released our 200th episode. Join us as we welcome that dynamic duo of hilarity, Steve Martin and Martin Short. You've seen them on screen together in The Three Amigos, Father of the Bride 1 and 2, and most recently, and Only Murders in the Building. Both are comedic geniuses in their own right, but together they are always electric. And this episode of Smartless is no exception. I don't know if I've laughed more in a single episode than this one. We discuss their career arcs both separately and as a comedy team, how they met, who is more difficult to work with, and what motivates them today. Is Steve a better banjo player than Marty as a singer? Find out on this bicentennial episode of Smartless. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Smartless ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Plus, you get to hear Sean cry. What a loser! 